Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I'm Meg Thomas, and if you want to live a more open-hearted, magical life, it all starts with your emotions. This podcast will take you on a journey, helping you to better understand, express, release, and heal your emotions. Let's get exploring. Welcome back. This is part two. So if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to part one, I'm going to suggest you go back, listen to Tuesday's episode, and then this will all make a lot more sense. So (laughs) I am sharing a story that I have not shared publicly yet. And of course, we needed two episodes for this. And I need support. (laughs) I need a team in place to help me hold the space and navigate this conversation. So I am so very, very grateful for these two soul sisters that we just continue to confirm that we must have traveled lifetimes together because we just feel Mm -hmm. so in sync with each Mm -hmm. other. I have KJ from her podcast is Stories of Astonishing Light and Brenda from Waves of Joy. Both have and will be on my podcast. KJ's episode is going to come out next week. And I've been on their podcast. And this is just just the beginning of all of us really working Mm -hmm. together. So Mm. welcome back. I'm so just so happy, so grateful and so blessed to have you here to help me navigate this really vulnerable conversation. And I'd like to think this part two is going to be less vulnerable, but I don't think so. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for asking us to hold this space. It's a true privilege. Mm. I'm already shimmering and shaking in anticipation Mm. because I know that this is just such a vibrant, pulsing, really wonderful gathering that we have today. So, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you. So in the last episode, I shared that I uncovered a family secret that my mother had struggled to conceive, just like I have struggled with fertility issues, and that my dad was not biologically my dad, and that they used the assistance of a sperm donor. And so yeah, <laughs> that's that was the big secret that uh, it took me a while. So I'll give you a little bit of the timeline of things just to show what a healing journey looks like and doesn't look like. And it, it's everyone is so different. But I started to have the seeds planted and I waited one year, one year before I had enough courage to confront my mom and essentially break my own heart to really have that confirmed to me. So in that process, I was not grieving my dad at that time because I was still holding on hope that I was wrong, that this uh, intuitive nudge was wrong. So I waited a year, confronted my mom. I then spent almost two years healing I went through a lot of grief. It was very messy. I spent a lot of time doing different modalities, mostly writing. Writing became the medicine for me to be able to share what I was feeling and put language to it, process it in a way that became different. When it's just swirling around in my head, it's confusing. It's no good. (laughs) When I can actually put it on paper, things start to alchemize. They Mm -hmm. start to make sense. Mm -hmm. So I spent that two years, you know, working with my healer, Zila, who I love and work with and, and different types of practices of just moving things through the body, trying to understand them. And a part of how I became a podcast host was I 
Hmm. I was feeling very confused because people around me were telling me that nothing had changed. I was still the same exact person. Nothing had changed. But I felt like there was a part of me that I didn't understand. And I was curious about it. And I also was feeling a little bit of guilt and shame for wanting to explore that part of myself. Like somehow this was going to take away from my family that I grew up with, that if I do explore this, then I'm wrong, I'm bad. And it wasn't until I heard Danny Shapiro on a podcast sharing about her journey, and she wrote this incredible book called Inheritance. Mm -hmm. My first introduction to Danny Shapiro was a podcast, and I heard her, and I was like, this, this is what I'm feeling. She also, as an adult, found out that she was donor-conceived and goes on to write about it and how it showed up for her. And it was the first time, the first time in this journey where I felt, okay, permission to feel these things, permission to be confused and curious at the same time, permission for all these things. And so I... mm, I felt seen. I felt I could understand myself better. And I recognized the power of storytelling, which is also why Mm -hmm. I am here sharing this story. Because if this helps one person, I will be so grateful because I was that one person. I'm sure Danny Shapiro has helped millions, but she really helped me to navigate this. And when one of us is brave enough to tell our story, we have no idea what the ripple effect is. Mm. Mm. That's where we're at today. Mm. You know, something just popped into my mind, which is that your family kept telling you nothing had changed. Mm. And it would be really easy to take that at face value and to not look any deeper. Mm -hmm. And... I love that you trusted yourself enough to know that you had the capacity to continue to be in relationship with your family and to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. And I know that that wasn't an easy choice. Hmm. 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 I'm going to say this in, in hopes that I say it in a way that it doesn't I'm just going to say it and and allow myself to imperfectly say it. But you know how people will say to someone of a different race, I don't see color. Mm -hmm. Mm. I don't think I ever fully understood that, how that feels in the body until having this experience in my life where it's like, if everyone just keeps telling me nothing has changed, it's also a denial of my identity, a denial of my ancestry, a denial of who I am. And and it feels horrible. So mm. I don't know if I drew that connection properly, but that is mm. a part of, mm, mm-hmm. that's just how I can relate to how I've seen it in other people. That lands and resonates with me so deeply. I am a little stunned. I'm actually physically feeling some dizziness of, Mm. oh, yeah. In our first conversation in this lovely series that we're creating together, uh, the thought or hearing even you speak it aloud in this context of like, but it doesn't matter. It feels so dismissive and mm-hmm. so unsettling and discouraging. Cause what I'm hearing is that my intuitive reaction and response doesn't matter, that it's not valid. Mm-hmm. And so as someone who has experienced that my entire life of like, well, why should it matter that you don't know your birth parents or that you know that we're your adoptive family? Why should it matter? You were chosen. 
you mm-hmm. were brought in almost, I've only maybe heard it once or twice, but it's accompanied with this also, you should be grateful. Why would you, mm. why would you question this? Mm. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. I have heard that. Yeah. Like this was this beautiful altruistic thing of how I came into being and and mm. I was so wanted. Mm. I was so wanted mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we should mm-hmm. just be grateful, which I am grateful. And mm-hmm. I also don't want to deny this part of myself anymore. Mm-hmm. 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 I relate to this on a totally different level. Yeah. In my intuitive abilities, Mm. because they were very scary Mm -hmm. for my family and especially my extended family. And, you know, when you're asked to deny a part of yourself to make other people comfortable, Mm. it really feels a way. And I think it leads, or at least I'll just speak for myself. I felt resentful, Mm -hmm. resentful that people wanted me to do something differently to make them Mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. To shoulder Mm. their discomfort. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's quite a quandary for those who are highly sensitive, empathic, intuitives, as we all are. Mm -hmm. It is such a quandary because... Right. We don't seek the discomfort. We certainly Mm -hmm. don't want the people we love to be uncomfortable or hurting. And so a lot of times we internalize it, right? Most of the times we internalize it, right? And we say, well, this is something that that I can stop or that this is because of me. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, an added, yeah. an added weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's moments, there's been moments in my life where I've wished I would be different because it would be easier. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. of even thinking of my own fertility journey, I have prayed to not want this anymore. Just let this desire go from my heart so I can just be and not not always Mm. be, you know, Mm. working towards this or holding this in my heart. And of course, I continue to get the signs that say, keep going, keep going, Mm -hmm. stay surrendered, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Don't control the outcomes and keep moving forward. (laughs) Does anybody else say that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And can, and can you hold my, my discomfort while you're at it and pick up, Mm -hmm. pick up the next person's as well. And Cousin John's. Yeah. Hold hold on to Cousin John's oh, discomfort as well. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next phase of this journey was mm. after I went through this really dark and challenging and simultaneously it's COVID time. So it was oh, this sure. pandemic time where I just and my business had completely changed. So being somebody who was leading retreats and out in the world, everything changed where it felt I got, it's not that I felt I got small, I just got really pulled in. Like mm. my mm. world got smaller, mm. if that makes sense. I wasn't getting smaller, but it felt like my world around me got smaller and it was just like this inner circle that I had around me and in my own journey while I was trying to navigate, navigate my grief, navigate what this Mm -hmm. looks like one day. Oh my goodness. I have to tell you this story. Uh, I love plants and I have this most beautiful umbrella tree and it's really, it's so special. So my mom struggled to keep plants alive. And so it was my, you know, my my mom and dad had had it. And when my dad passed away, my mom knew she could not take care of this plant. So unbeknownst to me, my aunt took this plant and she 
just took care of it for 20, you know, 25 plus years where it got huge, Mm. where it got beautiful Mm. and big and just a massive plant. And then what she did was when I finally had a home that was big enough, she gifted me this plant and said that it was my dad's and it was connected Mm. to him. So to me, this tree had been labeled my dad tree. Okay. So it's Mm. like a beloved, beloved giant Mm -hmm. plant in the home. And I put it outside in the summer here. So when we have these, you know, three months of sunshine in upstate New York, I put it out on my deck and it just loves it. It gets like Mm -hmm. so much bigger. Well, Ian was bringing it back in the home and he was thinking that he was just going to do this such kind gesture for me. So I'm out, I'm like grocery shopping and he trims this tree. He trims this plant. Okay. And this is within maybe two months of me uncovering this family (laughs) secret. So this is two Mm. months of knowing that my dad is not Mm. biologically my dad. So he is so excited. Like he meets me out in the garage and is like, I can't wait to show you what I did. And I mean, he is just like the puppy with like the tail wagging. Like he has done the greatest thing ever. I walk in into the kitchen and then where it lives in the dining room and my jaw drops, the tears start coming. And he's like, what did I do? And I didn't even fully know. I didn't know what he did. I didn't know what I was feeling. And he was so disappointed because he had expectations that I was going to be excited that this is one of the few times he slept upstairs. Like he didn't even know what was happening. So he went, he is in his own disappointment because he really truly thought he did something beautiful for me. And I'm downstairs crying and I don't know why. I can't articulate it. I cannot even tell him. So that's a part of the challenge Mm -hmm. of emotions when you're in it and you Mm -hmm. can't figure out what's happening. So he sleeps upstairs, goes to work the next day, and I just write. I journal about it. I get up at like 4 a.m. and just start writing, which is what happens when I can't figure Mm -hmm. something out. It usually wakes Mm -hmm. me up at 4 a.m. And I figure it out. And I'm able to share with him. I was like, "This, thank you for doing this thing that you thought I would love. Mm-hmm. To me, this is grief. Mm-hmm. This is grief. I feel like everyone is taking things away from me without my permission. And mm-hmm. one more thing mm-hmm. just got taken away of mm-hmm. my dad from me. One more thing that was connecting me to him just got taken away. And I did not give anyone permission for any of this. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that was how my grief was showing up all over Mm. the place during this time. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) It's such a tangible example of grief. And I'm sure that that tree represented so much more than just a tree and to see it cut whether or not it was actually healthy for the tree <laughs> or for your home or aesthetically, I'm sure it felt like being cut away from you. Mm-hmm. It did grow back even bushier and better. Like he really <laughs> does know how to prune things. So it did mm-hmm. fill out, but the initial. Sure. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what mm-hmm. this part of the journey is about. I love this. I had no idea this was all going to connect, but mm. this these mm-hmm. gifts, <laughs> like there can be too, right? <laughs> yes. the tree. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> these gifts can come in ways we don't even know what it looks like when um, we let go of an old story. We let go of something and it comes back right. even better. Mm-hmm. We change mm-hmm. the energy of a relationship. We create boundaries and then it may get hard mm-hmm. first, but then can be even mm-hmm. better. And the so that happens. Yes, the pruning. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened next. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. So I put myself in 23andMe last July. 
And so at this point, you know, it's been two and a half going on three years of my own process. So I feel such deep compassion and empathy for those who find out through 23andMe this kind of information, because a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And me, I had time to prepare of all the different scenarios. So I'll tell you, my biggest fear of putting myself in 23andMe was at this time, you know, Netflix had that documentary out. I think it was called Our Father. I didn't even watch it because I didn't Mm -hmm. even want to see it. So what I was learning about the donor industry is the fertility industry that very often nowadays people are ending up with anywhere from 50 to 200 siblings. And Hmm. I have talked to Dr. Kiltz who owns CNY Fertility and I've had conversations with him about like, who regulates this? Like it is not regulated. Mm -hmm. Like there can be, you can basically what the law, there was a, a law put into effect last year, but it's like you can have, it's all based on how many people are in a city dependent on location. So it's like, if you are a sperm donor, you could have 25 children. That's the rule. 25 Hmm. in San Antonio, but then you could have 25 in Houston and then you can have, you know, 25 in New York city and then 25 in China and 25 in Canada and 20. So these numbers, this is Hmm. how it's just getting to, 50 to 200. So my biggest fear was if I put myself in 23andMe, I know there will be siblings and this is going to feel like too much for me. And I'm really scared Mm -hmm. of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. however, I am also somebody who feels the fear and does, takes the action. This is Mm -hmm. just a Mm -hmm. part of who I am of, okay, what, what else could come out of this? Because (laughs) I was curious. I did want to know who else was out there. So I put myself in last July. I get an email sooner than they said. They continue to prepare you of like, oh, it's going to be, you know, three weeks. It's going to be this. And so sooner than I said, and I just click on the email, I'm home alone at night working and I get the email and it says, welcome to you. And... Mm. Language matters. Language Language matters. matters. My Uh body went into immediate resistance of welcome to you, but like I am me and what does this mean? And Uh so I really struggled with this initial welcome to you. I click off the link. It takes me to 23andMe and it says show mother's side, which was kind of where I thought I should start. Show mother's side. And it showed like your closest connection. So it it showed two people, my mom and one of my cousins was in there. And that was it. I was like, okay, like that's it over there. And then Mm -hmm. it says show father's side, which at this point, I'm also very much struggling with using the word father. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I click it. And the wheel just spins and spins Mm. and spins and it's populating and more and more. And it eventually maxes out at 5,000 people, (gasps) 5,000 connections. Maxes out. I I am like, okay, like this is happening. This is happening. My worst fear is happening. And then I click show. It's something like show close relatives or close connections and that narrowed it down, and I I could breathe again, and it showed that there were four siblings, four mm-hmm. siblings in twenty three and me, and once again I paused, I paused, I felt my feelings, I journaled, I wrote about it, I did not hit connect. So if any of them logged in, they could see me but it didn't alert them that I was in the system. Like I had to click, actually click connect. So a Mm. couple weeks later, we're into August now and I'm at Zila's. I'm at the, my healer. I'm on her, on the massage table and I walk in and she is talking to me in a tone she has never spoken to me in. And she is telling me, she's like, 
your guides, they are here and they are saying enough is enough. And I mean, she has never spoken to me this way before. And I was like, what is happening? Mm. But this is what that energy called for in this time. Mm-hmm. And she, enough is enough. And I have such goosebumps right now remembering this moment. And I'm like, what mm. are you talking about? <laughs> she didn't even know that I had done 23 and me. <laughs> so of course, you know, these healers. <laughs> and so she's like, enough's enough. And she goes, you have done the hardest part. You've already done the hardest part. And I just started sobbing, which I don't do very often on her table. And I just started sobbing because it was true. It was the truth. Mm -hmm. I have done the hardest Mm -hmm. part, which was figuring out that my dad wasn't biologically my dad. And she made me, Mm -hmm. while I was on that table, get my phone out, turn it on, because, you know, these healers, we can't have our electronics on when we're in the room with them. So I had to (laughs) power my phone on, get it into 23andMe, and I hit connect. So on all four siblings, I hit the connect button right there in that Mm. moment. And 23andMe says, you know, you should put a note in there. And I did not put a note at that time because I was on the table (laughs) with her. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I drove home. I was all spaced out from this healing session. And I just wrote just a quick message. And it was like three sentences. It was like, I, and I did Google, like I, I did not know what to write in this moment. So I Googled what do you write to someone in this moment? (laughs) Which apparently there are many websites that actually, this is a question that comes up now because of 23 and me. So I I wrote to them and I said that I Googled what to say in this moment. I don't know what to say, but I found out a couple years ago that I was conceived via sperm donor, which led me to do 23 and me, which has now led me to you. I would love to connect. Hmm. And then I just, Put my name. That's beautiful. I mean, I don't know how else you could have done it any better. Mm-hmm. Language matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you Googled what to say and then went with, I Googled what to say. <laughs> yep. Just being fully transparent. This is it. Full yep. transparency. Like, mm-hmm. And it worked. So... By the time I went to bed that night, my half-sister, Becky, reached out and said, you know, oh, there's another one of us, was kind of her response. And she said, have you contacted Candace? She has a lot of information that might help you. You know, welcome. And then my (laughs) half-brother, Andrew, wrote that he too just recently found out as an adult. And, oh, Becky had shared that she found out as a child. So she knew since I think maybe, maybe like her teenage years. And then she, and so Andrew said, yeah, oh, me too. I found out recently as well as an adult. And then I went to bed. I did not respond to either. It was just too much for one day. And then when I woke up Mm -hmm. the next morning, I had a message from Candace my other half-sister, and she basically said, I've got answers to questions you don't even know you have yet. Here's my phone number. Call me today. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And so I did. (laughs) It's fascinating to tell this story now Mm -hmm. in its entirety because my space between how long it takes me courage to do something Mm -hmm. is getting shorter. Mm -hmm. Has has that Mm -hmm. happened with you guys? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually just thinking that that same point, which is you waited a year. You waited an exponential amount of time from the first understanding of step one. Mm-hmm. And then I asked you just the other day when we were having our interview, right? I had said, how long did it take you to contact Candace? Mm-hmm. And you said- Hours. Oh. Yeah. You said, oh, I did it that day. Mm-hmm. I got ready that day. And I was like, hello. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Look at you Mm -hmm. stepping into it. Yeah. And so... The hardest part is making a decision. Mm. 
Yeah, Brenda. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. I'm letting that sit with me for a second. The hardest mm-hmm. part is making the decision. Mm-hmm. It's like, is the hardest part the purchasing the gym membership <laughs> rather like the mm-hmm. beginning? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like what we were talking about on my podcast when you came to the podcast and you were talking about that contraction right before the expansion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm. every time you have the opportunity to show up in a new way, there's that little moment of crunchiness <laughs> where you think to yourself, I know on the other side of this is something new and different. Yeah. Do I really want to get on that plane? Mm. Do I want to make that call? Do I want to push connect? Yeah. Yeah. And so mm. I got on the phone with Candace and my heart was racing. I was sitting out on the back deck and I'm reminding you that my fear was this feeling that there's too many of us. Even mm-hmm. knowing that there was five of us in 23andMe, I was like, oh, there's too many of us. I get on the phone with her and her first sentence to me is, oh, I get so excited when I see somebody else in 23andMe. That's what she says to me. And I was like, uh, who are you? Because that is the opposite of what I'm feeling. And she held mm. that. She held that from the moment we started speaking and still to this day, that it's a blessing, that these people are gifts. And she held that energy when for me, I was living in fear of there's too many of us. I can't handle this. It's too much for me. I can't do this. And she helped me to reframe it. And so we uh, we talked for a few hours and she answered, like I said, questions I did not know I had. I knew I was ready to open the door to contacting siblings And the story I created in my head, which I am very good at creating stories to protect myself, the story I had created and then confirmed with my, you know, different healers that I go to was that the sperm donor was dead. I created the story that helped me hold on to it for that time of knowing Mm -hmm. that this happened. I was like, no, there's no way this man is alive. And I don't know why I created that except beyond protection for myself and my heart because that was another it's like you don't know all the all of the questions and boxes you're going to open by opening the one door, right? Like mm-hmm. And so here she is in this first phone call and she goes, "Oh, do you want to know? Do you want to know who he is?" And I'm like before I even have a chance to have any resistance I'm just mm. in it. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm. tell me. Mm. And so back then, almost always sperm donors were medical students at the hospital. So especially in the that late 70s, early 80s, sperm was fresh versus frozen. So they, you know, they needed a mm-hmm. doctor. They needed a med student who was there on site. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of blessings in this story. So it was fresh sperm, which I think is how the numbers have stayed down because I think it was mid 80s when they started using frozen sperm, which is how you get so many more. So basically, a woman who was ovulating would go into the hospital and then they would pull, you know, whatever med student met the criteria and then <laughs> use the sperm fresh right there. So it kept the numbers down which I'm very grateful for. Also, I was born in New Hampshire and the closest hospital that did this was an Ivy League college. So this was mm. happened at Dartmouth. And mm-hmm. so I'm grateful for that. That if we were going to choose someone, I've heard a lot of horror stories about men who lied on their mm. applications about who they were and and mm donor conceived children having to find that out. So he was a med student. She was able to figure this out. Candace was told when she was young and it shaped her life. She now is an incredible, incredible force in 
the foster system. She's a social worker in the foster system for the state of New Hampshire. And Mm -hmm. she now helps families connect and in all different ways. So she knew how to figure out who our donor was, even though he himself is not in the system. And I mean, she's sending me pictures of him and his Instagram. And, you know, I'm seeing these things. And I had to that night. A lot of times I work things out in my dreams and I had dreams about him the whole night of him. You know, I saw his Instagram picture standing on top of a mountain and my initial reaction was anger. My initial reaction was, Mm -hmm. why does this man get to be alive? And my Mm -hmm. dad is dead. And Mm -hmm. how is this fair? How is this? And I wasn't really prepared to open that door to it was enough to open the door to siblings. But yeah, my initial reaction was not, I, it's not that I'm angry that I was conceived this way. And I don't even fully know how to comprehend what I was feeling. But I know that it was anger, but I don't understand it completely. Why? Except for in contrast to that my dad's dead. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So I imagine our listeners are wondering how and where you are in the process of your dad. Do you have any desire to make contact? Does he know about you? Yeah, great question. So I at first went to a place of just referring to him as the donor. So like I said, language matters. So I put up barriers to my heart. I wanted to connect with these siblings, but I didn't want to connect with him. And as time has gone on, so this happened last August. So in the last, you know, 10 months, I have moved mostly through breath work, which I know the two of you know mm-hmm. the power of. These moments at the end of a breathwork mm-hmm. session, I have moved from anger to forgiveness, Mm -hmm. to acceptance, to gratitude. I have gone to places now where I have seen him in my dreams and I've seen him at the end Mm. of these breathwork sessions where I am like, I am thanking him. Thank you. Thank Mm. you for this. And so a fear of doing this podcast and sharing my story publicly, no one has ever made contact with him Candace reached out once seven years ago. He didn't respond. Whether he received it or not, who knows, right? It was in letter form. So I would love to connect with him and would love to meet him and and just know who he is and see if these pieces make sense to me. But a, a fear of doing this podcast publicly is, it, will this ruin my chances? But I had to, it was a risk I was willing to take to be able to more fully step into my story and my identity. Mm -hmm. So I now refer to him by his name, by his first name. And this is the journey that I've been on of moving from anger to forgiveness and acceptance and and the Ho'oponopono, I would also say that. Mm-hmm. That has helped me a lot. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. It's mm-hmm. a meditation I lead every month and I practice regularly. So mm-hmm. it's helped me to let go of some of the energy I was feeling. And his name is Thomas, which was another curveball from the universe <laughs> that mm-hmm. here I have kept my dad's last name, which was Thomas. And I find out that his first name is Thomas. And mm-hmm. it almost feels like a message from the universe of if you are to deny Thomas, you are denying yourself a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it's like almost like if my name is Megan Thomas, then if I'm denying a part of that, I'm denying a part of myself is how I'm mm-hmm. seeing it. Mm-hmm. 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 You know what came up for me when you were sharing about your fear is that your transparency around this might actually make it easier for him to connect mm-hmm. because it's so clear that you're coming from a loving place 
of wanting to share your story in hopes that it can be helpful to other people. And you're not coming at it from a place of any anger or judgment or attack. And so I just think, again, it's so courageous. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Brenda. It happened again right now as you were speaking aloud and naming Thomas. Mm -hmm. So as you shared that part of the story now, and then when you shared it earlier in the week, I had what dropped in for me was parts. And you might be familiar with or have heard of a psychotherapy methodology called uh, parts work, or its formal name is, you'll love this, internal family systems. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and it's literally naming the parts of us that we either have separated from, denied. Mm-hmm. It's also called exiled. We exile parts. And then mm-hmm. the work and the healing comes in inviting those parts back in and having a different relationship with them or naming them, knowing that they were exiled, for instance, for a particular reason. And in this case, it's protection. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's time. And in this case, it's it's needing just some space. But it's not a punishment, this exile. It literally is so that everyone can get used to where they fall, their positioning within the system. And mm-hmm. so that sounds kind of dry. But at the same time, I keep hearing the affirmation that was read from the card that I had pulled in our first part of this uh, conversation, the roots card. And Mm -hmm. the affirmation assigned to the roots card is, I honor the fullness of where I've come from and know that it impacts the generations to follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let that land. Something's coming up for me. It's very physical. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing like this ache mm-hmm. under my rib cage mm-hmm. in my solar plexus. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if we could just clear that. Please. If that would be okay Let's with you. Let's do it. It feels like it's almost this denying of your personal power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to just name that we have these competing agreements where there's a part of us that really deeply wants one thing and then a part of us that feels scared of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so what I would just invite you to do is just place your hands at the bottom of your rib cage and just apply gentle pressure and take a couple of deep breaths in and just say, I'm free to be me. I'm free to be me. I am free to be me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm free to own my power. I'm free to own my power. I'm free to own my power. Me stepping into my power takes nothing from anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Me stepping into my power doesn't take anything from anyone. Mm-hmm. Stepping into my power does not take anything mm-hmm. from anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. Let that land. Maybe it needs a tear. Maybe it needs a wiggle. Maybe it needs a sigh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the story. Mm. You got it, Brenda. That's. Mm-hmm. That's been the hardest part of this part of the journey is if I allow myself to connect with these siblings, if I allow myself to fall in love with them, to build relationships, to fall in love with their children, that I am taking Mm -hmm. something away from the siblings I already have. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that I've been stepping into. I've been reprogramming my mind to be like, that's not the world I live in. The world I live in is abundant Mm -hmm. and this is just adding more. Mm -hmm. But this piece with Thomas, it's like, what if I meet him and like him? 
right? Does that take something Mm -hmm. away from my dad? Like, does that take something away from the relationship I had with him? And and I know that this is not the world I want to live in of scarcity. I want to live and I work so hard on my fertility journey that it's, if you have a baby doesn't mean I'm less likely to have a baby. I live in a world of Mm -hmm. abundance but it's so hard to choose it. It's so hard to choose that I. it doesn't mean I'm taking anything away from anyone else. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm. It's like when two bubbles merge, they become a bigger bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm. And your gorgeous, gorgeous dad tree. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the family tree has come up over and over and over. Yes. Yeah. I just keep seeing this thriving, blooming mm-hmm. oh. tree. So yeah. in January, mm-hmm. I got to meet my brother Andrew for the first time, and mm-hmm. we went skiing together at Breckenridge in Colorado, which I've never skied out west. And I just kept having these moments of wanting to stop other people as we're on the chairlifts of like, do you know what's happening? Do we look alike? Do, we, do you know what's happening here? We are, we just are meeting for the first time. And I had a moment when I was skiing down the mountain and it was the most beautiful place I have ever skied in my life. And I'm looking around and I was like, I have felt like my dad has given me permission to mm-hmm. fall in love with these people that he not only that that he has helped orchestrate this like i have mm-hmm. felt that that he's a part of this story mm-hmm. he's not separate from it and mm-hmm. 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 and he's, i just he, yeah 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 he, KJ, i just say he, he he's intrinsically involved yes he is and yeah. by reclaiming yeah. And owning Thomas, yes, <laughs> it feels like the fertility journey yeah. can now begin mm-hmm. because you've really claimed who you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. That's why I kept coming back to that affirmation. We're talking about the next generation, mm-hmm. our next roots, our next mm-hmm. offspring, our next branches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. and. I now have met Candace as well mm. just two weeks ago. And <laughs> yay. To meet Andrew and to meet Candace, I have felt a sense of belonging that I didn't know was possible. That the way that they look at the world and they process information, and oh, I mean, even just. You know, Andrew and I discovered that we have the same super rare genetic disorder that no one could have ever imagined. My lungs started collapsing when I was 16 years old, and I've had surgery on both of the lungs and still continue to feel you know, feel it happen every month trying to. His started when he was 17, my entire life. You know what they told me when that happened when I was 16? They said, well, we've seen this in tall athletic males. <laughs> like, this was the answer to me. We've seen this in mm. tall athletic males. Mm-hmm. And here I am, a 16-year-old female. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, how does that make sense? I never once looked at it as a genetic thing because I had never met another human to have it. So... After Andrew and I discovered that, I was able to just go back to Google, easily put in <laughs> this genetic, you know, lungs spontaneously collapsing. And we were able to find what gene it actually affects. And there's more than a 40% chance that I will pass this on to my children. So mm-hmm. it's like the language mm-hmm. matters. Also, mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. asked, ages ago, Brenda, about what else? What like what else are you curious about? Those are also things that reasons why I would like to meet Thomas, because mm-hmm. chances are mm-hmm. 
one of his children has had it. So from what I can gather, he has three children and these would also be my half siblings. And Mm -hmm. guess what? Out of, so I am conscious of eight of us total so far. This would put us at eight. I imagine there's probably more that are not in a system yet. Three, five of us are photographers. Five of us. So all three of his children have photography, and two of them have businesses or had at some point business. One was a wedding photographer, which, you know, I was a wedding photographer. Candace minored in photography in college. It's those are the moments where I'm like, ooh, like to get another piece of that puzzle, like another piece of that, which is these connections, nature and nurture. And they just help Mm -hmm. me to understand myself a little better. Mm. That's beautiful. Really lovely. Yeah. Well, this feels like part two of several more. (laughs) The story will continue. Yes. Uh Yes. Uh But this is where I'm at right now. This brings us up to date. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so, Mm. so much for inviting us along to witness as well as be alongside you and hold you. Mm Mm-hmm. As you venture down this path and in a, I don't know, almost in an alternate or a subtly turned question, um, Brenda had asked, like, so what more are you curious about? I'm curious about where next? What next? Mm. Yeah, that's great. Great question. And I don't entirely know the answer to But I know that I want to continue sharing my story to be able to help people, to be able to help, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. add, to be able to help people connect and see themselves and understand and give themselves permission to feel. And so, yeah, I want to continue to help people. That's why, that's why a part of why I shared this story. Beautiful. Yeah. And so you shall. And so it mm-hmm. is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you both so much. I'm so grateful. Absolutely grateful for both of you. And I'd like to end on our Brene quote that has helped guide me through this process, which is owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we'll ever do. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. And if you loved this episode, will you please share it with a friend or two? Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you're sure to never miss a single episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.